Hello, and welcome to Gen X Oozes, a podcast devoted to useless and useful knowledge, a podcast where knowledge is in the mind of the beholder, a podcast with misinformation, disinformation, and disinformation. Feature presentation. Trivia. Insignificant trifles of little importance, especially items of an important information. This game that involves obscure facts. The theme of this round is 90s rap artists. Number one, which 90s rap artist said to grab them by the biscuits? Which 90s rap artist said to grab them by the biscuits? Number two, which 90s rap artist prefers lumpy oatmeal? Which 90s rap artist prefers lumpy oatmeal? Number three. Which 90s rap artist had people say, Yo, you're funny looking? Which 90s rap artist had people say, Yo, you're funny looking? Answers. Number one, Humpty of Digital Underground. Number two, Humpty of Digital Underground. Number three, Humpty of Digital Underground. In the early spring of the year 2018, strange lights were seen hovering above Lake Anna in the state of Virginia in the country known as the United States of America. Although no one was able to capture the images on photo or video, there were a number of reliable sightings during this period. A few months later, so-called toxic algae blooms began occurring. Though scientists said the organisms were not true algae and in fact were known as cyanobacteria, there was something supernatural at work. The truth is that these were neither algae nor bacteria. These were the beginning of what is now known as the Lake Anna oozes. Most humans experienced rashes and gastrointestinal illnesses when they would come in contact with the oozes. However, one man, a Gen Xer named Jason, had no negative reaction. In fact, the oozes began to talk to him. Jason said the oozes told him that they were actually the beginnings of an interstellar communications network and that they would be working their ways into the earth and then into the root systems of the trees, which would then be used as a sort of antenna for passing space travelers to communicate to earthlings. He said the oozes chose Lake Anna because of the nuclear power plant on the lake and that they wanted to subliminally reveal the truths of freedom, philosophy, spirituality, and the unknown areas of the universe to humans. Since 2018, 
the oozes have formed a fairly substantial antenna zone in the trees, which stretches up to 10 miles at some points into the land surrounding Lake Anna. Through their communications network, they have also tapped into and developed a fondness for the 70s, 80s, and 90s music that is played on the radio station known as Sam FM, located in Orange, Virginia. When Jason found out about this, he shared even more of his Gen X music knowledge with the oozes, which pleased them greatly, which prompted them to share more of their knowledge and wisdom with him. This was the inspiration for what you are hearing now, Gen X oozes. Hi, I'm Gen X Jason. Join the oozes and I as we take you on an audio space trip of what we have learned together over the past few years. You can refuse the ooze, but it would make more sense to use the ooze and allow the ooze to amuse and audibly infuse you. And if you have a hard time understanding what is going on, try a little harder, because that's your fault, not ours. Because the God that our neighbors believe in is essentially an invisible person. He's a creator deity who created the universe to have a relationship with one species of primate. Lucky us. <laughs> and and he, he's got galaxy upon galaxy to attend to, but he's especially concerned with what we do, and, and he's especially concerned with what we do while naked. <laughs> And he, he almost certainly disapproves of homosexuality. And he's created this, this cosmos as a vast laboratory in which to test our powers of credulity. And the test is this, can you believe in this God on bad evidence? A person can criticize colleges, the media, the newspapers, uh, Republicans, Democrats, you know, the military activists. The only agency where if you criticize them, you are called crazy immediately is the CIA. Uh, can you explain to people hearing this, like, why is that inaccurate to say that, well, if you criticize the CIA, you just got to get a tinfoil hat and you're a lunatic? Well, so I'll just give you, you know, a very kind of physically proximate experience. I, as you know, uh, live in Brazil. I'm speaking to you from Brazil. In 1964, Brazil had not a communist government, but just kind of a center-left government, democratically elected. And Brazil was steadfastly neutral in the Cold War. They always tried to maintain exact equidistance between Moscow and Washington, so they didn't end up in one orbit or the other. And they were this flourishing democracy 
setting an example for the region and the Kennedy administration and then the Johnson administration began viewing the center-left government as going a little too far to the left. They didn't like some of their rent control proposals. They didn't like some of their support for labor unions. And they started telling the Brazilian government, look, we think you're going too far left. I mean, this is the kind, this is why I always found it so hilarious that American liberals talked about Russian interference in our democracy through Facebook ads as though the United States hasn't always and continues to interfere far more aggressively than anything the Russians were accused of doing. And in 1964, there was a coup uh, that violently overthrew the democratically elected government and installed in its place for the next 21 years a brutal and repressive military dictatorship. And obviously at the time, a lot of Brazilians suspected that the coup was enabled by the CIA. The problem was there was no proof of that. So even people on the American left in the United States who also thought this, you can go and read articles in Time Magazine, uh, the New York Times, the Washington Post, mocking with this contempt people who suggested that the CIA had some involvement in the Brazilian coup. And of course, in 1969 and 1970, documents were leaked demonstrating that the CIA had a direct role in helping the generals here in Brazil over uh, engineering that coup provided on the ground support, uh, military power, all kinds of technological assistance. And then 10 years after that, there were declassified the documents proving it to be true. This is just one example that I happen to know best because it's in Brazil, but it's repeated itself over and over and over and over where every single time we learn about what the CIA did five years, 10 years, 20 years after what they did, but because they always operate in secret, if you say, hey, look, this looks like something the CIA did because this is what they always do, each time you get called crazy because you don't really have the evidence until several years later. And at this point, I think you're crazier if you aren't suspicious of the invisible role the CIA is playing than if you are. One great example is, you know, people have been suggesting that the CIA had been on the ground in Ukraine in February and in March because there were indicia that their Ukrainians were capable of doing things that there was no way they could have done without the help of American intelligence. And you can find the people who were suggesting that being called Kremlin propagandists and conspiracy theorists. And now just this week, the New York Times reported that the CIA in pretty ample numbers have been on the ground in Ukraine working with the Ukrainian military to target Russian uh, military assets since the beginning of the war. So this is always how it works. So you know what the exact response to this is, and I'm very curious to your answer. If everything you're saying is true, how come I haven't heard about it? If everything you're saying is true, why isn't this a bigger story? Yeah, you know, I think um, one of the things that I've come to see, and it took me a long time to really understand the full extent of this is, if you live in a certain society, it's very easy to believe and to see the ways in which other societies over there are propagandized. Yep. We're constantly being told the people of this country live in a closed information system. The people in that country are lying all the time by their government. Yeah, they don't know better because yeah. Putin. Yeah. yeah, they don't even know there's a war in Ukraine, all this, you know, the, this extremist stuff. And one of the things that is, is it's very self-flattering. You know, we get to believe that unlike those people, we live in a free society where all this information is readily available and the truth is always known and we're never lied to or misled or deceived. And the United States in many ways has as closed of an information system as anybody. And, you know, George Orwell talked about this a lot. Noam Chomsky has talked about this a lot. Oh, yeah. That the 
most effective means of repression are not the obvious kind of brute exercises of force where you just pick up dissidents and put them in prison. Everyone can see that there's pure authoritarianism. It's the more subtle kind where anybody who's a dissident is expelled from, you know, mainstream circles and from the respectable salons and where any dissent is immediately demonized because there you have this appearance that you're free. But in reality, there's a kind of prison being constantly constructed in your own brain that in reality makes you more manip subject to manipulation than if you actually could see the brute evidence of repression. are going to in the medium term because in the short term i think there's no doubt that things are going to get worse in the states but in the medium term do you think or do you see foresee america going in a more positive direction or do you see it coming in a more negative direction are you black-pilled or are you white-pilled i mean if those are my choices i would definitely say black-pilled okay you know i think one of the um greatest failures of the American, just sort of the American political system, the media system, was to ask itself why it is in 2016, somebody who had spent the last decade as a television host of a reality TV show, a very unpopular candidate, by the <laughs> way, in 2016, was able to defeat, you know, the most formidable political machine that has been built in modern American political life, which is the Clinton machine you know, fueled by enormous amounts of money, ruling by intimidation and fear and power. How did that happen? And why is it that underneath this incredible political talent named Barack Obama, did the Democratic Party for those eight years, even when he was reelected, essentially collapse? And the answer is because the ideology, the, the prevailing ideology of both wings of each party, the establishment wings of each party is neoliberalism that destroys yeah. the society in which it prevails. That's why Brexit won. It's why Brazil elected a figure like Jair Bolsonaro after spending two decades as more kind of a center left, center right country. It's why there have been all these radical changes taking place in country after country, because if you embrace a political ideology that is designed essentially to destroy the population's economic security, and your only response is to paramilitarize the society yeah. to signal to that population that if even if they get to the point where they want to rebel, they're going to get crushed if they do, then I don't think it's surprising that things are going to get worse. And I don't see, you know, I mean, Trump's election was the attempt by the American people to radically and fundamentally change the ruling ideology 
And because of a bunch of reasons, including the power of the establishment and his lack of discipline, he really wasn't able to do it. And I don't have a lot of hope that if he's elected again in 2024, he'll be able to. And so I see this, this ideology of neoliberalism and globalism that is ruining the mental health and the economic security yeah. of hundreds of millions of people at a time as getting more and more entrenched and it's being more and more difficult to unearth it until it's uprooted. You know, I think it's hard to have anything but pessimism of the societies that it, it governs. Glenn, we're running out of time. What has been your favorite part of this interview? Um, just the complete uh, ability to speak about critical issues without having to do it through the prism of these dreary and archaic left-right binaries. You know, a Republican, Democrat, binaries, I feel like it's so refreshing when you're able to analyze these kind of issues without those propagandistic blinders that everybody's required to wear in, in the mainstream discourse. You are welcome. Gen X Oozes is produced by me, Gen X Jason. Logo and artwork by Tim, a.k.a. Victim Number 2. Foreign correspondent, The Duke of Soda Bread. Almost all production music produced by the fine artists at storyblocks.com.